Chapter Thirteen, Section Three of the Night Side of Nature, or Ghosts and Ghost Seers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by S. E. Ross, Bernie, Texas. The Night Side of Nature, or Ghosts and ghost seers by catherine crow chapter thirteen section three haunted houses one of the most melancholy and impressive circumstances of this sort i have met with occurred to mrs l a lady with whose family i am acquainted mrs l herself having been kind enough to furnish me with the particulars a few years since she took a furnished house in stevenson street north shields and she had been in it but a very few hours before she was perplexed by hearing feet in the passage though whenever she opened the door she could see nobody she went to the kitchen and asked the servant if she had not heard the same sound she said she had not but that there seemed to be strange noises in the house when mrs l went to bed she could not go to sleep for the noise of a child's rattle which seemed to be inside her curtains it rattled round her head first on one side then on the other then there were sounds of feet and of a child crying and a woman sobbing and in short so many strange noises that the servant became frightened and went away the next girl mrs l engaged came from leith and was a stranger to the place but she had only passed a night in the house when she said to her mistress this is a troubled house you've got into ma'am and she described among the rest that she had repeatedly heard her own name called by a voice near her though she could see nobody one night mrs l heard a voice like nothing human close to her cry weep 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 then there was a sound like someone struggling for breath and again weep 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 then the gasping and a third time weep 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 she stood still and looked steadfastly on the spot whence the voice proceeded but could see nothing and her little boy who held her hand kept saying what is that mamma what is that she describes the sound as most frightful all the noises seem to suggest the idea of childhood and of a woman in trouble one night when it was crying round her bed mrs l took courage and adjured it upon which the noise ceased for that time but there was no answer mr l was at sea when she took the house and when he came home he laughed at the story at first but soon became so convinced the account she gave was correct that he wanted to have the boards taken up because from the noises seeming to hover much about one spot he thought perhaps some explanation of the mystery might be found but mrs l objected 
that if anything of a painful nature were discovered, she should not be able to continue in the house, and as she must pay the year's rent, she wished, if possible, to make out the time. She never saw anything but twice. Once the appearance of a child seemed to fall from the ceiling close to her and then disappear. And another time she saw a child run into a closet in a room at the top of the house. And it was most remarkable that a small door in that room, which was used for going out onto the roof, always stood open. However often they shut it, it was opened again immediately by an unseen hand, even before they got out of the room. And this continued the whole time they were in the house, while night and day someone in creaking shoes was heard pacing backward and forward in the room over Mr. and Mrs. L.'s heads. At length the year expired, and to their great relief they quitted the house. But five or six years afterward, a person who had bought it, having taken up the floor of that upper room to repair it, there was found, close to the small door above alluded to, the skeleton of a child. It was then remembered that some years before a gentleman of somewhat dissolute habits had resided there, and that he was supposed to have been on very intimate terms with a young woman-servant who lived with him, but there had been no suspicion of anything more criminal. About six years ago, Mr. C., a gentleman engaged in business in London, heard of a good country house in the neighborhood of the metropolis, which was to be had at a low rent. It was rather an old-fashioned place, and was surrounded by a garden and pleasure-ground, and having taken a lease of it for seven years, furnished as it was, his family removed thither, and he joined them once or twice a week, as his business permitted. They had been some considerable time in the house without the occurrence of anything remarkable, when one evening, toward dusk, Mrs. C., on going into what was called the oak bedroom, saw a female figure near one of the windows. It was apparently a young woman with dark hair hanging over her shoulders, a silk petticoat, and a short white robe and she appeared to be looking eagerly through the window as if expecting somebody. Mrs. C. clapped her hand upon her eyes, as thinking she had seen something she ought not to have seen, and when she looked again, the figure had disappeared. Shortly after this, a young girl who filled the situation of under-nursery maid came to her in great agitation saying she had had a terrible fright from seeing a very ugly old woman looking in upon her as she passed the window in the lobby. The girl was trembling violently and almost crying, so that Mrs. C. entertained no doubts of the reality of her alarm. She, however, thought it advisable to laugh her out of her fear, and went with her to the window which looked into a closed court. But there was no one there. Neither had any of the other servants seen such a person. Soon after this the family began to find themselves disturbed with strange and frequently 
very loud noises during the night. Among the rest, there was something like the beating of a crowbar upon the pump in the above-mentioned court, but search as they would, they could discover no cause for the sound. One day, when Mr. C. had brought a friend from London to stay the night with him, Mrs. C. thought proper to go up to the oak bedroom where the stranger was to sleep for the purpose of inspecting the arrangements for his comfort, when to her great surprise someone seemed to follow her up to the fireplace, though on turning round there was nobody to be seen. She said nothing about it, however, and returned below where her husband and the stranger were sitting. Presently one of the servants, not the one mentioned above, tapped at the door and requested to speak with her. And Mrs. C., going out, she told her in great agitation that in going upstairs to the visitor's room a footstep had followed her all the way to the fireplace, although she could see nobody. Mrs. C. said something soothing, and that matter passed, she herself being a good deal puzzled but still unwilling to admit the idea that there was anything extra-natural in these occurrences. Repeatedly after this, these footsteps were heard in different parts of the house when nobody was to be seen, and often, while she was lying in bed, she heard them distinctly approach her door, when being a very courageous woman, she would start out with a loaded pistol in her hand but there was never any one to be seen. At length it was impossible to conceal from herself and her servants that these occurrences were of an extraordinary nature, and the latter, as may be supposed, felt very uncomfortable. Among other unpleasant things, while sitting all together in the kitchen, they used to see the latch lifted and the door open, though no one came in that they could see. And when Mr. C. himself watched for these events, although they took place, and he was quite on the alert, he altogether failed in detecting any visible agent. One night the same servant who had heard the footsteps following her to the bedroom fireplace, happening to be asleep in Mrs. C.'s chamber, she became much disturbed, and was heard to murmur, wake me, wake me, as if in great mental anguish. Being aroused, she told her mistress a dream she had had, which seemed to throw some light upon these mysteries. She thought she was in the oak bedroom, and at one end of it she saw a young female in an old-fashioned dress, with long dark hair, while in another part of the room was a very ugly old woman, also an old-fashioned attire. The latter, addressing the former, said, "'What have you done with the child, Emily? What have you done with the child?' To which the younger figure answered, "'Oh, I did not kill it. He was preserved, and grew up and joined the regiment, and went to India.' Then addressing the sleeper, the young lady continued, I have never spoken to mortal before, but I will tell you all. My name is Miss Black, and this old woman is Nurse Black. Black is not her name, but we call her so 
because she has been so long in the family. Here the old woman interrupted the speaker by coming up and laying her hand on the dreaming girl's shoulder while she said something, but she could not remember what, for, feeling excruciating pain from the touch, she had been so far aroused as to be sensible she was asleep, and to beg to be wholly awakened. As the old woman seemed to resemble the figure that one of the other servants had seen looking into the window, and the young one resembled that she had herself seen in the oak chamber, Mrs. C. naturally concluded that there was something extraordinary about this dream, and she consequently took an early opportunity of inquiring in the neighborhood what was known as to the names or circumstances of the former inhabitants of this house and after much investigation she learned that about seventy or eighty years before it had been in the possession of a mrs ravenhall who had a niece named miss black living with her this niece mrs c supposed might be the younger of the two persons who was seen subsequently she saw her again in the same room wringing her hands and looking with a mournful significance to one corner they had the boards taken up on that spot, but nothing was found. One of the most curious incidents connected with a story remains to be told. After occupying the house three years, they were preparing to quit it, not on account of its being haunted, but for other reasons, when on awaking one morning, a short time before their departure, Mrs. C. saw, standing at the foot of her bed, a dark-complexioned man in a working dress, a fustian jacket, and red comforter round his neck, who, however, suddenly disappeared. Mr. C. was lying beside her at the time, but asleep. This was the last apparition seen. But the strange thing is that a few days after this, it being necessary to order a small quantity of coals to serve till their removal, Mr. C. undertook to perform the commission on his way to London. Accordingly, the very next day, she mentioned to him that the coals had arrived, which he said was very fortunate, since he had entirely forgotten to order them. Wondering whence they had come, Mrs. C. hereupon inquired of the servants, who none of them knew anything about the matter. But on interrogating a person in the village, by whom they had frequently been provided with this article. He answered that they had been ordered by a dark man in a fustian jacket and red comfort, who had called for the purpose. After this last event, Mr. and Mrs. C. quitted the house, but I have heard that its subsequent tenants encountered some similar annoyances, although I have no means of ascertaining the particulars. But perhaps one of the most remarkable cases of haunting in modern times is that of Willington, near Newcastle, in my account of which, however, I find myself anticipated by Mr. Howitt, and as he has had the advantage of visiting the place which I have not, I shall take the liberty of borrowing his description of it, prefacing the account with the following letter from Mr. Proctor, the owner of the house, who it will be seen vouches for the general authenticity of the narrative. The letter was written and answered to one from me, requesting some more precise information 
than I had been able to obtain. Josh. Proctor hopes C. Crow will excuse her note, having remained two weeks unanswered, during which time J.P. has been from home or particularly engaged. Feeling adverse to add to the publicity the circumstances occurring in his house at Willington have already obtained, J.P. would rather not furnish additional particulars. But if C.C. is not in possession of the number of Howitt's Journal, which contains a variety of details on the subject, he will be glad to forward her one. He would, at the same time, assure C. Crow of the strict accuracy of that portion of W. Howitt's narrative, which is extracted from Richardson's table-book. W. Howitt's statements, derived from his recollection of verbal communications with branches of J. Proctor's family, are likewise essentially correct, though as might be expected in some degree, erroneous circumstantially. J.P. takes leave to express his conviction that the unbelief of the educated classes in apparitions of the deceased and kindred phenomena is not grounded on a fair philosophic examination of the facts which have induced the popular belief of all ages and countries, and that it will be found by succeeding ages to have been nothing better than unreasoning and unreasonable prejudice. Willington, near Newcastle-on-Tyne, 7th month, 22, 1847. End of chapter 13, section 3. Recording by S. E. Ross, Fernie, Texas.